0: Oh, come in. Morning, boss. Oh, hi, Ted. Yikes. I haven't seen someone that disappointed to see me since I wore a red baseball cap to a Planned Parenthood fundraiser. Sorry, Ted. You're right. I I was just hoping you were Keely. That's okay. I wish I was Keely three, four times a day. There you go. (laughs) Thank you. Let me guess, you got a fever for the flavored little girl talk, don't you? Well, shoot, why don't you let me take a crack at it? Really? Yeah, why not? Oh. Okay, what the hell? Uh, So, this um, chap I've been seeing, John. Stamos? No. His name's John Wingsnight, but that's not the point. Mm -hmm. Well, now, hold on a second. His name's John Wingsnight? Yes. Like at a sports bar? Like Monday night's Wingsnight down at PJ Flats, like that? Ted, would you please stop? Rule number one. Even though it's called girl talk, sometimes it needs to be more like girl. Listen. Got it. Learn on the fly here. Come on, hit me. Right, thank you. So, John, um, I mean... I mean he's a wonderful man. He's very handsome, Mm -hmm. um, successful, nice, not shy. Mm, Is he nice to you? Uh, yes. Yes, Ray. Good. Yeah, he sounds great. Mm. So I'm confused. Is there a problem here or something?
1: Well, actually, I suppose not.
0: Okay. Okay, so rule number two is sometimes girl talk and just be blabbing away about stuff and nothing has to really change and No one has to solve anything?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: I love it. Let's keep going.
2: To another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben.
3: And I'm Kristen. This week we are covering Ted Lasso Season 2, Episode 1. Goodbye, Earl.
2: Diving into Season 2. Already- Yay! I say already, but I mean, it's been 11 weeks and 10 yeah, episodes. Well, we did yeah, good. 10
3: episodes. Yeah. We did very we did good. good. We're very good. We're good we're a good job
2: compared to lost. Yeah, you know. Where we missed like an entire like 5 years.
3: Okay. Well, Somewhere you know, there. let's just not let look. COVID was interesting.
2: Yeah, I know. We we we've made our excuses for the time yeah. we
3: missed. Yes. During lost. <laughs> as weak as they may be. <laughs>
2: As as phoned in as possible. Yes, we, very good. We made our excuses.
3: I am so excited we're in season two because that means that old Rebecca is gone and we can just get into the meat of the show. We know these characters. We love these characters. And now we get to see like a continuation of what happens after they get relegated.
2: Well, and season two is great too, because you're right. Season one, we kind of get the establishment of the main characters. We've got Ted, we've got Rebecca, we've got Roy, we've got Keely. Um and Beard. And Be- well, Beard's a mystery throughout the entire run of this. Yeah, show. okay. But but he's still you're right. He's still an established character. Um, season two is now where we start to focus on characters like Sam, Colin, Isaac. Um, there's more from Higgins, um, Nate. Oh my God, this is a huge this is season. A huge for Nate. Nate
3: season. Yep.
2: Um, you know, Jamie and,
3: Tart. Another big, big season for Jamie Tart as well. Well,
2: and and season one was big for Jamie as well, but season two is even bigger for Jamie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of changes coming to Jamie in season two. There's a and lot
3: of and, changes coming for everybody in season two. I I would, uh, I I would say.
2: Yeah. But yeah, but but I mean, like, even in addition to some of the other characters to some of the characters that I met, we meet some new ones. Uh, a couple of which we meet in this episode. Dr. Sharon. Dr. Sharon Fieldstone is one of them. Don't um, you
3: dare call her Doc.
2: <laughs> or Sharon. <laughs> uh we but I mean, there's other characters who get progressive in their story as well. Trent Krim gets a little bit more. This season, I, I
3: just you say his name and I smile.
2: I love Trent <laughs> I love Trent, Trent, Crimm Crimm, so the independent the independent. You're from where the Daily Planet, I believe. I love
3: uh, that. We also get introduced to a new player named Yon.
2: Yeah, that's Yon. We, <laughs> <laughs> we meet in this guy. He, so we've mentioned two of the three characters that we meet in this episode. There's uh, a third new one. We meet Miss Bowen for the first time in this episode.
3: Oh yes, it, that's
2: right. It's very quick, but we do meet Miss Bowen. Yes, uh, who we will see a, a couple of times throughout <laughs> uh, <laughs> throughout season two and into season three. We're gonna; she's gonna be a reoccurring character. Yep. Uh, through both, um, her story ties in primarily with Roy, but it's uh, because she, obviously because she's Phoebe's school teacher. But she's going to uh, she's going to be a reoccurring for the rest of the series, which is nice.
3: Yes she's wonderful
2: um so before we dive into it obviously season one is not season two is not gonna change from season one we're gonna try and remain as spoiler free as possible as we can for those of you that are watching for the first time but we will have a spoiler full conversation a little bit later on and man do I have some stuff to
3: me too oh, yeah I
2: have a couple things to bring up in that I do section. Too. Um, but Check the show notes if you want to skip it and then to know when we uh, when we talk about that so you can come back for the quotes and all the other fun stuff at the end.
3: Yeah, you have, We haven't had big spoiler sections uh, the past couple of weeks, and I feel like I'm making up for it today.
2: We haven't had a lot of spoiler stuff because I feel like the ending, like the penultimate and the ultimate episodes of season one were pretty focused on wrapping up the season one story. Right, They they weren't kind of looking ahead at the establishment of characters. They were focusing primarily on AFC Richmond's relegation or whether or not they were going to get relegated.
3: Well, and I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that they probably didn't know if they would get a second season.
2: So they have have, a
3: three-season story that they want to tell. But, you know, you also have to reconcile with the fact that your show might not take off the way that you want it to. And so... You need to be able to after heroes. <laughs> we oh, all Jesus. need we all need an ending to the first season if there is going to be one.
2: Uh, you you mentioned heroes. That's a god, that's a horrible show.
3: <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful uh miniseries.
2: One, <laughs> one season mini series. <laughs> um Yeah, you're you're probably right. They were they were wondering whether or not they were going to get that second season, even though they had that three season, that three year story to tell. Right. They wanted to make sure that just in case. Yep. They they wanted to kind of have things wrapped up in a in a in a way that they could end if they had to.
3: Right. Um, Thank God they didn't.
2: But now that. Oh, me too. Yeah. Agreed. But now that they're in the season two, we kind of have some more stuff to talk about in spoilers because there's been new seeds planted for this season. Right. Into season three.
3: Yeah. This is a beautiful premiere episode for a new season. I think that they, they do a really good job for establishing what the season is going to be. Um, They do a really good job of bringing us in after a small time jump. And they still manage to keep the wholesome, heartfelt, wonderfulness of this show. You know, it, it just it proves once again how smartly written this show is.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I'm very appreciative of the fact too that when they bring us in in the beginning of this season too, they're not bringing us at the start of the season. We're we're kind of already the season's already in motion. Seven they're games already- in. Yeah, they're already working towards getting promoted back to the Premier League. Uh, you know, especially after the way season one ended with Ted saying, "Like, come back and win the whole fucking thing." Right. And we're seeing that's the goal, and they're not losing, but they're also not winning.
3: But they're playing well, despite the fact that th- Roy Kent isn't playing anymore and Jamie Tart isn't playing anymore.
2: They've lost two of their major players.
3: Yeah, right. Exactly. So they're not losing. They're not winning, but they're proving that they're still a solid team.
2: Yes, absolutely. Well, it's even mentioned too. Like even Nate says it at one point in the episode. He says the team's playing well. They're just unlucky. <laughs> they're the New York Jets. <laughs> I have that in my. I have that. I have that in my quotes, too, because it's such a nice burn, especially coming from two guys from Kansas City.
3: Um, the Jets are never good. Sorry.
2: <laughs> back home, if a team was playing poorly, we don't call them unlucky. What do we call them, coach? The New York Jets. <laughs> it's such a burn. I love that. It's a burn for anybody who's a football fan. Yep. Even New York Jets fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. You know, we get to the opening of this episode. They're already into their game seven, the seventh game of the season, uh, when something rather unfortunate happens. <laughs>
3: it is fucking tragic, man. <laughs> it is just the worst thing that could like if 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 it killed the bird, okay, a freak accident. It's go it'll go viral for a bird kill a, a random bird killing. Killed a dog. Okay. <laughs> and how violent is Danny Rojas's kick, that he kills the dog.
2: I know. Well, I mean, it could also be a combination of, because it happens mid-air, so it could be a combination of, he hits the dog, the dog falls, you know, it it could have been the the fall after being hit by the ball that killed him. Regardless, Earl Greyhound is killed. What a beautiful name
3: for a dog, Earl Greyhound.
2: I know, I love it. (laughs) um it's so it's so british
3: it is it's 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 so british British and i love it well okay so barkingham palace is also beautifully named too i mean just there's little little things like that just remind you how smart this show is yeah you know but yeah poor poor danny (laughs) Rojas. i'm washing the death
2: off of me (laughs) you you might want to (laughs) try some soap
3: it gets that eternal damnation out of the out of the hard to reach spots.
2: <laughs> Leave it to Ted. Like I mean, and it's weird too because like you're you're watching in that moment. Ted really just doesn't know how to react to this. Nobody like, does. No, because this is such a like I don't know what the word is. Like not uncommon because that doesn't even explain it's a it. It's freak occurrence. Freak occurrence. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. And just, but yeah, Danny Danny kicks that kick, and
3: and it's Danny Rojas. It's not like somebody else. Like it's it's Danny Rojas who his very soul is linked to this sport, and he's so positive and wonderful, and he's just like he is the epitome of a human hug in personality yeah. form, and you know that of all the players. This is going to destroy him the most.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and it does. Like he's yeah, right. You mentioned he's he's in the shower, just in full uniform, under the water, <laughs> letting the water pour over him. He's speaking Spanish. He, he's, he's doing just... the cross. He's doing the Catholic <laughs> cross over it's and just, over again. And what's and what's worse about it too is that when you watch that scene, you realize that had not. Earl Greyhound jumped there, he would have scored.
3: Yeah, they would have gotten the win.
2: The goal was going, the the goalie was going the other direction. Mm-hmm. That was a goal. Yeah. So It
3: would have been nice if that was a goal and they got their first win, but it still didn't matter it because... at the cost of
2: Earl Greyhound?
3: At the cost of, right, exactly. <laughs> t- I wonder if in the writer room, they're like, I mean, should we have them win? Should we have
2: them tie? Like... No, I feel like it was actually good that they left it on a tie because it it kind of plays into everything, you know that was happening with with the team and and then struggling to win. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I feel fair. like that's I feel like that's going to break soon. Oh yeah. I it don't remember. It's next yeah. episode. Is it next episode? Okay. Yeah. yeah. For for once, I actually did not watch ahead. I mean, I've already seen episode two a number of times, but I don't remember exactly everything that's uh, that's coming from it
3: seven ties in a row that's that's something
2: yeah what? it is and and my echo device is spewing something i don't know what it is i don't know if you heard it or not i did not okay <laughs> good i don't know what it was talking about cuz i had my headphones on but yeah poor danny just um but you know like Everything that happens to Danny is done for the sake of introducing the character that we talked about. Dr. Sharon. Dr. Sharon who very similarly to Rebecca in season 1 kind of comes across as somebody you might not like. Uh that changes. I mean again, we we talk about growth of characters and characters that we eventually like grow and and learn to love. Dr. Sharon is one of them.
3: Yeah, and you know, I like rewatching this knowing the full story only because I'm able to look at Dr. Sharon in this episode and realize that she has to keep herself objective and removed from mm-hmm. everybody and instead of feeling annoyed by her in this episode like I did the first time I watched um I feel bad for her because it has to be a very lonely life for her because she goes to these sports teams and she's excellent at what she does um but she has to maintain a level of professionalism to keep herself objective and helpful to the teams that she um that she helps and you know Ted's confused by it because of his own problems with therapists in general that we'll get to later. Um, But I just, I, I feel for everybody in, in in this situation. I feel for Higgins who apparently in this huge state of the art uh, facility, there is not one conference room available for him to work out of. It's Um, another
2: running joke from season one. Like he just has no office. Well, and, but and that there's continues. no conference
3: rooms. There's not one conference room.
2: There's the press o- there's the press room. That's pretty Come much on. it.
3: There's a beautiful state of the art fil- facility. There is a there's a conference room somewhere.
2: There has to be somewhere. There
3: has to be. There has to be a closet he can work out of, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, his little sad box of things with his with his sad plant, you know, it it proves just how much he's not in his office anyways.
2: True,
3: you know. But anyway, I, I'm I'm getting away from the point. Um, I I love the introduction of Doctor Sharon because you see parts of her personality coming out, especially when she goes, "Oh, your your goal is or your best is one thousand two hundred thirty six bats or whatever they're called mm. for the ball game," and she says, "Impressive," you know. So there's there is a good personality in there. It's
2: is she okay? See, I, again, that, that's a moment that I read a little differently. Oh, okay. Because it comes off this conversation that she had with Ted about asking Ted if you're good at your job. Mm-hmm. And Ted is legitimately questioning it for the first time because of the attitude that she is giving Ted. So when she says, like, you know, what's your record? And, you know, Nate says 1,236. She says, oh, impressive. And then shoots a look as in, like, you should be managing your time better.
3: No, no, that's not the way at all. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it completely differently. I saw it as she was saying, "That's impressive, you know. That's okay. that's great, you know." And I think that that gives us just a little insight into her as a character. Like she is, she's a very, and we learned she's a great character, but we also know that she says that she is extremely good at her job and in this episode we see just how good she
2: is she, she speaks fixes, three languages and she fixes danny in a matter of probably a day
3: yeah well and she speaks three languages in this episode alone who knows how many languages she actually knows because it, her job English, is spanish
2: and french french yeah.
3: yeah and but the thing is is that she she is a sports uh, psychologist and she takes that to heart as in the fact that it is an international sport. She needs to know these languages. Yeah. Like when she says she's good at her job, she's not just being arrogant. She is good at her job. Yeah. She can, she can, she can, um, she can, uh, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? She can talk to all of her patients in their language of choice. That's incredible.
2: Yeah, that is incredible. It's impressive. Yeah, it's incredible. And she is. You you said it like she is an incredibly impressive psychologist. Right. uh, For the for the reasons, you know, which kind of leads into the whole fact that she is not a one episode character. She could have very easily been brought in, fixed Danny and then sent on her way. Mm -hmm. But she I mean, it's a bit of a spoiler, but not really. She remains with the team for a while. Yeah, she does. She, she stays there. She sets up an office there and stays there for a bit. She is she, not a one and done character. She keeps, She's She going- keeps Higgins's office. Let's just do yes. that.
3: <laughs> She is. She is
2: going to be with the team for season two.
3: Which I think is wonderful. And I think that her her presence on the team while it unnerves Ted ends up being, you know, a, a full on blessing for Ted. Um, well, it's just it. Yeah. it's. it's just difficult for him to accept her right now and we learn we learn in this episode why he has such a hard time with with the addition of Dr. Sharon in the team
2: well, and you're right. I mean, we can kind of talk a little bit about it now is that like he he does he has an issue with therapists. it's not jealousy like he like beard thinks it could be um and as a viewer, you could kind of see it maybe as that as well from the beginning mm-hmm. in that like he's jealous somebody else is coming in to kind of coach in a way coach his team and do something that he's unable to do. And you could see that as something that could potentially make him jealous. Um, Well, that's his strength
3: as a coach.
2: His strength as a coach is that he's good with the players. Yes. And for somebody else to come in and also be able to do that, yeah, could make him a little green with jealousy. Mm -hmm. But he admits very very freely and very clearly at the end that he is just uncomfortable around therapists. Not because... Mm -hmm. Uh, because of his issues with Mich- with michelle and his divorce mm-hmm. he you know he says the beard like you know he was when he went to marriage counseling and uh, you know when he went to therapy for his marriage the doctor that was recommended to it was a doctor that michelle was already going to and he feels he was kind of railroaded a little bit mm-hmm. a lot a, bit a, a lot bit and i i think we both have thoughts on this that we will talk about doing spoilers but yeah, he's he's not. It's not jealousy at all. He just is uncomfortable around therapists because well, of his and, personal experiences.
3: Yeah, and I think that that I mean, you know, when you look at it that way, and you and and you hear Ted explain that, th- the the only other experience that he's had with a therapist smashed his life to pieces. Yeah, and which is why he's in England, and now things are going good. You know, there's a problem. He can't fix it. They bring in a therapist and all of a sudden things are getting fixed again. And he's questioning his role now because his the previous therapist in his life smashed his life to pieces. And he's got a really good thing going with his new life here. And I can totally see how he thinks this woman is going to come in and smash this life to pieces like
2: the the last makes sense. Yeah. The last time he went to a therapist that cost him his marriage. Exactly. This time could it cost him the team?
3: Yeah. And that is a very
2: real very valid concern. Yeah. I I see it exactly. I mean, who's to say that like behind that closed door he's not being blamed for what's happening?
3: Exactly, because that's what happened with his marriage.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Or at
3: least that's how he perceives what happened with his marriage.
2: Yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's a legitimate fear that he but I mean to to have credit to, to give ted credit he still says like yeah let's do this let's bring in this there
3: as he's shaking his head no <laughs>
2: <laughs> pretty much yeah um you know and the and and the funny thing is too like when you know when you look at all the characters you look at higgins and you look at nate they're kind of like yeah all right we're gonna do this i think if anybody in that office knows how uncomfortable ted is with it's beard Oh, of course it's Beard. Beard, Absolutely. But then, you know, it's in that conversation with Beard later on in the pub that he says exactly why he is. He trusts
3: Beard with that kind of information. I mean, he loves the Diamond Dogs. He made the Diamond Dogs, you know, and it's a good sounding board. But when Ted wants to get real, he goes to Beard.
2: Well, because he knows Beard's not going to pull any punches.
3: Also, Beard. Beard is a childhood friend if i remember correctly they've known each other for years and years and years i think since high school yeah Yeah. so i mean if you can't be real with somebody like that then really who are you being real with
2: yeah that's another good point i mean you know somebody that you've known for that long is going to there's somebody who's going to know you even if you don't realize they know you right Right, because they've seen changes you've gone through. They've seen everything.
3: They've seen you at your worst. They've seen you at your best. I've got a few people like that in my life.
2: Yeah, I do too. Yep. I'm podcasting with one of them.
3: Yay, that's me. <laughs> um, yay, that's me. That's me. Um, yeah. So, Doctor Sharon, I'm very excited she's here because it's a it's a fun um it's a fun time for the team you know we've got new blood we've got a new character in which is always nice because it kind of offsets what you think that you know that you're going into you know it's already going to get jumbled up a little bit but it's it's not in a bad way like you think it's going to be it's actually in a really good way but there's still some trepidation about it but the team is doing better like it's just like this yo-yo you know you don't yeah. you don't know what's going to happen next and that's that's fun
2: yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And I'm I'm really looking forward to, to seeing more of Dr. Sharon as we go through. Because she's somebody who actually becomes, she plays a very important part. Not just, and because you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier. She plays a very important part, not just for the team, but for Ted in particular. For Ted, for sure, yeah. Yeah, like she is a huge influence on Ted a little bit later on.
3: You know what? I need a Dr. Sharon in my
2: life. I need a beard, a coach beard, not an actual beard. I have one of those.
3: Yeah, you do have one. Yeah. yeah.
2: I need a coach Wait. beard.
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> a hype man who keeps it real.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no, go. actually, I kind of have that. Yeah. I'm, I'm podcasting with my coach. There
3: beard. you go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm podcasting with my coach beard right now. Um, Perfect. Shifting gears. Yeah. Who are we oh. shifting to? Let's talk about Nate for a second. Oh, let's do that. So
3: I've got some definite uh, Nate opinions here.
2: Nate? Why don't you start us off? You why are you struggling? <laughs> Nate is a He's a little bit of a dick. He's a lot of a dick. In okay. This one. He,
3: first of all, you see a little bit of Nate coming out here. You see True Colors again coming out for we Nate. Talked,
2: we talked about it last episode in yep. that, you know, a little bit. And you're right. We're starting to see a side of Nate that is not exactly the best. I mean, there's two moments in particular. Uh, the what first position
3: one... does your mother play? That was such an asshole comment.
2: Well, and if you notice, too, like, even Ted kind of gives him a look afterwards, like, "Uh, where did that come from? Yep. You know, and Nate kind of tries to defend himself, saying, like, you know, some pressure makes pearl." He says the line wrong. Um, you know, pressure makes pearls, but it's pressure makes diamonds. Yeah. Um, you know, but, like, for for you to treat somebody in that position, that's the position you just came from.
3: Because After- he can't boss anybody around because he was low man on the totem pole. Now he's a coach, but he's a coach to all these people that used to be his superior. So he's not all the way comfortable with doing that. So the only person that he can really display any power over is new guy will.
2: But I mean, again, like it come the seeing the side of Nate that we kind of don't like at this moment too, is one you're right. He's he's, he sees the one person in the room. He can kind of boss around, mm-hmm. but again, That was your position before Will, and you went through the same thing with Colin and Isaac and Jamie. Right. You had it threefold. You know how this feels. Bullies become
3: bullies. Yeah, and I mean that's that's as a teacher, that's something that I see every single day. Kids that are bullied at home by their parents bully the kids at
2: school. Period. Bullies become bullies. But not only that, there's another moment a little bit later on, too, when they're trying to figure out how to deal with Danny. And Nate makes a comment. Well, let's show him his goddamn paycheck. That'll wake him up. That like, uh, was what? Garbage. That was disgusting. Mm mm-hmm. um, You know, and Ted kind of plays it off a little bit like oh, I shouldn't bring an umbrella to a brainstorm. Well, he said
3: that's that's a little aggressive.
2: Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, that that comes from a side of Nate who is experiencing authority for the first time.
3: Which is not a good color on him. No, I, it, those are the it,
2: words I was actually just thinking too.
3: And, and I think Ted is maybe realizing that he wasn't a good judge of Nate's character or maybe Nate's character was so well hidden that – We're now just seeing Nate as who he is. Uh, Whatever it is, you know, in the last episode, we saw him start to tell off Rebecca and call her a shrew. And then this episode, he's beating up on the lowest man on the totem pole in Mm -hmm. that building, which Ted is vehemently against doing. Um, So I imagine that there's a lot of underlying question marks from, from him and Beard right now with the way that Nate is acting and, you know, Ted builds people up. He doesn't humble people. And so I don't know that he really understands what to do with a situation like this. And maybe that's why it could potentially get out of hand.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, we've seen the series, obviously, and many people who are listening have seen the series. So we know, we know Nate's path already, but it's interesting to rewatch now at this point, knowing Nate's path, and and seeing, picking
3: up on well, yeah. and and I do have something for our spoiler section that I do want to cover um, that I'm not going to cover right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting series of events in this one scene with Nate. Also, did you notice that he's still wearing a tie underneath his I did. Uh, jacket?
2: I did, because you mentioned that in the last episode as well, and so mm-hmm. when I was editing last episode, I I was actually re-watching some of the moments from that episode as I was editing, because I wanted to see that, mm-hmm. and I did notice that he was wearing the shirt and tie yeah. underneath, and he still is now in this. Still is, yep. Well, So,
3: you know, yeah. he, he considers his position to be extremely important um, by the way he, he dresses for it, um, and maybe suit and tie people act a little different and he's playing with that, you know, more, more than maybe it is that we're seeing him act the way he thinks he should be acting and not the way that he really is. Cause he's never been in a position of authority before. So What's he what doesn't I mean. know like, what to do. Is,
2: that being in a position of authority, it's what I mentioned is a new position. He's never been there. So he doesn't know how to react with this a bit of, bit of power, but, Going back to the point, real quick, too, about the shirt and tie, think about this. Who's the person that gave him that? Ted. Ted. Ted's yeah. the one who not only gave him, who not only empowered him by making him a coach, he at first empowered him by buying him a suit. Well, yeah. T- t-
3: look, Ted is a magic human being, okay, yeah. that deserves all the good things and none of the bad things. Um, I think that we all can collectively agree on that.
2: Yeah, yeah, 100%.
3: So, yeah, it is interesting to see Nate. Nate has a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde persona, persona, and um, it started in the finale of season one, and we pick right back up with it in the premiere of season two. Just to say this is not a fluke. This is not a one-time thing of him calling Rebecca a shrew. We're going to see more of this.
2: Yes, this was early on set and this right. is going to continue. Yeah. And, and I think sh-
3: that that's all that that really, that's all that the intention was in that one scene. Cause it's not the whole episode, right? I no, mean, it's, t-
2: it's two quick moments in the episode right. and they're, you know, but they're there. I mean, and they're, they're there and they're mean. Well, I mean, again, like we talked about in the finale how. You know, in the finale of season 1, I mentioned this last episode how you brought up like he calls Rebecca a shrew and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, but then it's very quickly forgotten because they go into the promotion, right. Nate's promotion. It's not easily forgotten this time. It's no. so much more noticeable. Well,
3: and him saying show him his goddamn paycheck, like you said, that sentence hangs in the air for like one or two beats. Yeah. Like there there is a a surprise pause. Before it, Ted goes, well, okay, let's not get that aggressive. I well, I mean, and it's, it's, it's,
2: it's one thing to be bullying to Will, um, but it's another thing to make a comment about a player.
3: Who's going because, through a hard time because he just murdered a dog by accident.
2: Yeah, but you're also, that to me kind of shows Nate is trying to exude authority over the team.
3: Oh, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm
2: like he's he he sees the authority that he has and he's kind of trying to push it. He's trying to make everybody by making a comment like that, he wants to make it known. Yeah. That I have influence. Yeah. He's influencing in the wrong direction. Yeah. Because that's ultimately not the decision they go with. It's written off very quickly. Right. Um but it's a power move. It's a power yes. move by Nate. Yes. Uh, which is, a com- again, a completely different side of Nate we've never seen before, but is going to be there. <laughs> and we're going to have to deal with it. Because yeah. people like that are not, they don't quickly forget that. It They have to either be punished or put in their place.
3: Yeah. And those are two things that Ted is not good at.
2: No. At all. So it's. To those of you watching, it's going to be an interesting trip. Watching for the first time. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting trip.
3: Interesting. Uh, <laughs> a a yeah, nice that, way of putting it. That, yeah. um, I would like to go to um Roy for a little bit.
2: Yes, I would too. Because Roy, quite honestly. Roy's face is a chia pet, by the way. We have seen <laughs> that he has grown out of every orifice of his yes. head. His, his, <laughs> the last seven games. The amount of hair on his body that we saw in the finale has his his head and face has caught caught up to that. <laughs> <laughs> this episode. But I'm I'm glad you brought him up and I'm gonna let you go. But I I wanna say, as great as this premiere was, Roy has my favorite moment in this entire episode.
3: Oh his his speech,
2: right? To Rebecca.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I so, will I, when we get to that I will tell you exactly why I love that moment.
3: I, you know, Roy is such a great character because he has this very very difficult to penetrate tortoise shell around him. But he proves that once you once you're in with him, he's got your back, he's rooting for you. He is 100% going to throw down for you if if needed.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, and we see a lot of that with his relationship with Phoebe, which we know right off the bat, we get the first time we see Roy this season is with Phoebe.
4: He's coaching, he's coaching her football team.
3: team. And uh and I love how they keep it just him. As he's sitting there and he's like, You guys played like a bunch of pricks, blah, 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 blah. You've got to get better. Da, 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 da. And then it pans out and he's coaching little girls. Yeah. And One of them, one of them is hurt. And he's yeah. like, he's like, Except for you, Kokaruta, you put your body on the line out there. She's like, you know it, coach. Like
2: <laughs> <laughs> But I love like it's it's one thing to see that Roy is coaching little, he's being Roy and he's coaching little girls, but these little girls take to it. Like, they're fully behind Coach Roy.
3: Everybody knows who Roy Kent is. Like, the best part about being Roy Kent is that he doesn't have to pretend to be anything other than who he is because he's never done that. So if you're asking Roy Kent to be a coach of a girls football team, guess what? You're going to get Roy Kent. Yeah, You're not going to get Mr. Rogers. You're going to get
2: Roy Kent. Whoever brought in Roy to be the coach of this little girls team knew exactly who they were bringing in.
3: Yeah, which is yeah. why, you know, Miss Bowen is just like, listen,
2: you can't call them pricks, even when they're being <laughs> I, pricks. I, I have that line because I have that line in my quotes because that's it's, it's typical Miss Bowen. You're going to get more lines like this from Miss Bowen. Like she knows exactly who kids are.
3: Well, that's most teachers. Just to let yeah. you know, as a teacher, that's most teachers. It's, <laughs> but, she's beautifully written.
2: Yeah, but <laughs> she says, Coach Kent, they're eight years old. You can't call them little pricks. Sorry, Miss Bowen. Even when they're being little pricks.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I like I mean, it that he calls her Miss Bowen.
2: Yep. <laughs> oh, he yeah he he fully subdued to Miss Bowen as well. He treats her with massive respect.
3: Of course he does. That's Phoebe's teacher. Yeah. Phoebe is the most precious thing in his life, in his life. Um, more than Keeley, more than his sister, more than football, more than anything. If you touch Phoebe, Roy Kent is going to kill you.
2: Oh, um, and we're, we're going to get a little bit of that in a couple episodes, too.
3: Right, right. <laughs> Which I can't but wait for it. The fact that in his retirement, he decides to focus on Phoebe. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. That shows who he is. However, okay, he is drinking a lot.
2: Like a lot. Well, okay. So I understand how you can kind of think that, but when you rewatch that scene, you're talking about the scene where they're at dinner on the double date, right?
3: Well, that and, and, the, and him drinking the rosé, um, you know, top me off, top me off.
2: Well, so the dinner date, when he keeps asking for more drinks, it's because they never bring it.
3: Yeah, but he's asked like five people for it. So I can only assume that five of them are coming.
2: <laughs> but I also <laughs> which, which would just be <laughs> fantastic if like five different people just came in <laughs> to bring him and one person has two drinks because he does say, Can I get like two more of these? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's saying that, obviously, because he wants something to get him through the hell that is this date, this double date. Um, not because the guy is horrible, but because he just doesn't do stuff like he's that. here.
3: He's there. He's every fucking where Roy Kent.
2: <laughs> I, and I love how we get multiple mentions of Roy's retirement speech, which when this. you
3: see it, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's
2: next episode. Oh, thank thanks. It's, thank it's goodness. episode two.
3: Oh, my gosh. It, like, because <laughs> You just get this idea that he has really biffed it hard.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's embarrassed by it. Of course he is. He's, he's embarrassed by his, his retirement speech, which I mean, if you know Roy Kent, which you should at this point makes you realize he probably cried. (laughs) Oh,
3: he did more than cry. (laughs) It it. (laughs) Looks like he used the microphone as tissue.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, but that's, that's season two. Um, it is. Go, two. I mean, it's episode two of this season. <laughs> it's it's next episode, but going back to, to Roy and Phoebe, I noticed something this episode, because you made mention of Nate earlier on talking to Dr. Sharon about what's your record? twelve hundred 1200, like 1,236. Yeah. That number comes up twice Yes, it in does. this episode. Yes, it's it also, does. I have that
3: in my notes.
2: <laughs> I do, too. It's also <laughs> what Roy owes Phoebe because she gets a pound every time he swears. Yeah. So I did the conversion. Do you wait, know wait, wait, that wait, wait, wait. Oh.
3: Wait, wait, wait. What were you saying? where did it start off with the the it record starts, right it's the record. Sta- no
2: it starts with phoebe Phoebe right. says it first
3: and then and then
2: um and keely then nate- says impressive well would yeah yeah because Fe- keely asked phoebe what is roy oh so far
3: 1, 1236 time- pounds and then keely yes. says impressive
2: yes and, and then, then it happens again
3: it happens yeah. again with ted and dr sharon
2: nate and dr sharon Nate's yeah. the one that Nate,
3: answers. Nate yeah. and Doctor Sharon, one thousand two hundred thirty-six. And then, and what does Doctor Sharon say?
2: Impressive. Yep. So it, I don't think it means anything. I think it's just a fun little nod they put in there, yeah, for fun. Who cares? I don't think the number ever comes back for anything. There's also two Star Wars references. Uh, <laughs> I texted both you one Higgins. of them this morning.
3: Yeah, both by Higgins.
2: No, Keeley says one.
3: Oh, oh, that's right. Higgins was there.
2: Yes, but what's funny? What's the funniest part about? Higgins' reference because Higgins makes the reference. He he says, like he's gonna go home and watch Empire with his kids, and he's gearing up to explain why Luke and Leia make out at okay. one point.
3: They don't make out. Can we just like stop? They this? just kiss.
2: They, they kiss each kiss. other. But they're still brother and sister.
3: Oh, they didn't know.
2: I know they didn't know. <laughs> but Higgins does something that I think in my head constantly. And it's the fact that when Ted says to Higgins, may the force be with you, Higgins responds, and also with you. No, that's the response. It's not in Star Wars, but it is for, for yeah, us. Yeah, huh. No, it's not.
3: Yes, is huh. It?
2: Yes. Oh, maybe I just, I'm out of touch with Star Wars.
3: Yes, <laughs> yes huh. Yes, huh. Okay. Yeah. Now I gotta find it, but I swear to you, it's said multiple times, "May the force be with you" and also with you.
2: Oh, okay. I don't remember that ever being said in Star Wars, but I, I probably just don't remember. So it is what it is. I'm out of touch with Star Wars.
3: Well, I uh, am not.
2: I know you're not. I just need to go back and rewatch all the movies just to remind myself.
3: That well, we're doing it. You want to come down?
2: <laughs> just to watch Star Wars. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, the first Star Wars reference is from Keeley When Ted tells her, don't fret, don't fret Boba Fett. Because I actually texted you that this morning. <laughs> you did. Don't fret Boba Fett. <laughs> when you said you were running late, I was like, don't fret Boba Fett. Yep. Hoping you would pick up on exactly why I texted you that.
3: Oh, I did.
2: <laughs> um, But yeah, so, you know, Phoebe's keeping track of the number... Roy owes Phoebe a quid every time, which is a pound, every time he swears. and Phoebe's, A quid
3: is a pound? No. It is.
2: It's, yes, it is.
3: Quid, quid and is pounds a, are
2: equal? Quid is just a nickname for a pound. Oh. Yeah.
3: How many shillings make up a pound?
2: That I don't know. Well. Um, but a quid is just a nickname for a pound. Um, but Phoebe keeps track, and Roy at the moment owes 1,236 pounds. I did the conversion. Do you know what that is in American? Hmm. $1,528. $1,521.
4: That's awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Roy owes Phoebe over $1,500 in swearing. And that was before going off on his rant when Keeley says he should be a pundit. Yes. So, but yeah, so, you know, Roy's still trying to find – they're still trying to find a way for Roy. I don't want to say Roy's trying to find a way – find his way. They're trying to find a way for Roy.
3: Well, and I think that that is any athlete's issue when they retire from the sport is what do I do now? This was my whole life. And he doesn't want to talk about the sport. I get that. He's not ready to do something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he left before I think he was ready to leave. His body gave out before his heart gave out oh, on Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. 100%. percent hmm Yeah. To, so to coaching, retire on an injury is, is a yeah. harder way to leave than going out on your own.
3: So, you know, coaching, we see that, you know, coaching is filling that spot right now. Coaching Phoebe's team is filling that spot right now. and. We also, we also see his yoga group for the first time.
2: Uh, the yoga, yeah.
3: Which and I love. I love what ruined. they're watching.
2: <laughs> which is ruined, right? Well, no. I, I think Roy was very much aware Jamie was on that show. Because I think they've been watching that show for a while. Because the way they were talking about the characters, like, oh, I love her. And like, oh, I love Jamie. Like, they've... He says it earlier, like to, when he's talking to Keeley. he says they do yoga and watch garbage television. I think they've been watching if, that show for a while.
3: I'm wondering if he was a new addition.
2: No, because he was getting ready. It was whether or not he was going to be leaving the show. He oh. was up for elimination in the episode.
3: That's right. Okay. All right. All right. All right.
2: So he's been on the show for a while, and I think they've been watching the show for I think Roy is pretty much hate watching that show.
3: Yeah, and he can't even say that he
2: knows Jamie,
3: so he's just like, I need more (laughs) Rosé. Yeah,
2: that's his way of dealing with it. That's his way of getting through it.
3: Much like uh, Ted last season, when he was trying to find his way with what does he do after marriage, now we're going to see Roy with what does he do after football.
2: Well, and we also see Rebecca kind of going through the same thing, too, is like, what's the next step for her now that she's divorced? She's we out saw that last again. season,
3: but I think that she. Well, we saw that professionally for her last season. So now I think we, you're right. It's We're going to get this time. her her personal life now, which um, is just freaking fantastic. Uh, the when her and Ted have girl talk.
2: Oh my I mean, god,
3: girl, listen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, man that i again like we're, t- we're getting the quotes early again too. but he says it's just the way he says it too he's like rule number one even though it's girl girl talk sometimes it needs to be more girl listen yep. <laughs> it's just the way he says it yeah but, you know the double date with him with her with rebecca and john wings night and and the only reason I remember that last name is because of the joke Ted made about it. Yeah,
3: it's Wings Night. Free Wings Night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but with Roy and Keeley, we talk about, like, that The my favorite moment with Roy in this episode, my favorite moment of the episode is with Roy. And it's that speech that he gives Rebecca. Like, it, the date is over, John is left, and Rebecca wants the feedback from Keeley and Roy. Keeley in particular, but Roy is the one that offers up the biggest piece of advice to Rebecca.
3: The best piece of advice for anyone out there dating.
2: And I, the reason why I love this moment so much is it's twofold. Because one, it really does open up Rebecca's eyes to what she should be looking for. Like mm. she shouldn't just be going out there for the sake of da- and date somebody for the sake of dating. It should be somebody who Roy says makes her feel like she's been struck by fucking lightning. Yes. But the other reason I love this scene so much with Roy is because you get this look from Keeley towards Roy. Roy would not be saying this if this is not how he felt being with Keeley. Yeah. Roy feels like Keely makes Roy feel like he's been struck by lightning. Yeah, he wouldn't be giving this advice to someone else unless this is something he's experiencing himself.
3: And he says, "Don't you dare settle for fine."
2: Yeah, which it makes the bond between Roy and Keely. It makes me love Roy and Keely so much more in that.
3: They're such a good match. Their yeah. characters are wonderful and they just their characters got better when they got together.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. they found something in each other. They they these are two people who, when they met, were instantly able to let their guard down. Which is and open up.
3: Which is incredible because, you know, Keely keeps herself very well hidden by, you know, being like a dopey dumb model. And Roy keeps himself very well hidden by being a grumpy curmudgeon.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so they just- both
3: just kind of bloom out who they really are once they're together. And I just, yeah, I, I agree with you. I love that that scene when he's speaking very frankly to Rebecca. Um, And Rebecca needed to hear that.
2: Rebecca absolutely nope. needed to hear it,
3: but it was. Also and Keely pre- was never going to say that to Rebecca, which is interesting because she usually speaks her mind. But I think she well, was that, being a supportive friend.
2: Well, and not only that, but I think maybe in Rebecca in in Keely's mind, I think she meant what she said. Like I think at the time she thought they were a good match. Until because there was nothing wrong with John.
3: Well, notice she, she didn't just, say, "Oh, I love him. He's great." She said, "It's a good match." Like true. that was what she had to say about it.
2: That's true. It, yeah, it probably was more just being supportive. But again, like, I, I love that moment with for Roy because it it hits all three of those characters. It, mm. it shows you how Roy truly feels about Keely. It shows Rebecca she should never just settle. And I think this is might be one of the first times Keely is realizing how Roy feels about her. Like mm. truly feels about her because again, she does give him that look when he's saying all of that. And mm-hmm. then when, after he says it and Rebecca looks at Keely and she kind of just nods like, yeah, that's, that's it.
3: Yeah. That's what's behind. He's a good match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, you see that he is also, it it's when, Keeley says he's financially appropriate and age appropriate. You know, you understand that he's financially appropriate when he gets into his car and he gets in the back seat. You know? Oh, he's yeah. He's being driven home.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know? And also, well, Rebecca gets that too. She kind of gets chauffeured around when she drives.
3: Exactly. But Rebecca yeah. is filthy rich. And so you just, it's, it's, being made aware that this is not somebody who is there because she's filthy rich. He is also filthy rich. Yeah. I guess is my point. That's how they say it without saying
2: it. Okay. All right. No, I, I just, again, this is just one of my favorite scenes of the episode and coincidentally it's with Roy. I know. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know I talk a lot about Roy cause he is my favorite character, but it's,
3: it's like, the, it's, it's like me talking about Sawyer during Lost.
2: That's true. That's very true.
3: We um, like we like the problem characters.
2: <laughs> Roy's not a problem character. Though.
3: Well, neither is Sawyer. I'm saying we like the rough exterior characters.
2: True. Yeah, that's that's a good point.
3: They're easier to talk, talk about.
2: Um, I'm kind of looking through. my No, I'm notes. tapped
3: out. Let's go to spoilers.
2: <laughs> uh yeah let me just make sure uh ted's oh i mean there was the touching story that ted gave in the press conference too uh you know about losing losing the dog that he had when he was younger but Mm -hmm. i feel like that while it was a a real good story that kind of lends to ted's attitude Mm -hmm. it's just played better because immediately after that we go to danny in the shower Mm mm-hmm Like, it's just, (laughs) it's it's a way to kind of calm you down and then just be like, "Ah, all right, that's pretty funny.
3: (laughs) Trying to wash off the murder.
2: But yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have for the main discussion. So with that being said, uh, we're going to dive into spoiler territory. So if you're watching for the first time, check the show notes to find out when we're going to come back for favorite quotes. Um. I know we both want to talk about the therapy thing. Um, mm. uh, so, but before we do that, I want to, uh, I'm going to st- stick with John for a little bit here, John Wings Knight. I love the fact that, like, we get that conversation with him when he talks, when Rebecca says, Oh, he's like a-, a mad football fan. And Roy asks him, What team does he support? And he-, he mentions teams other than Richmond. Yeah. You know, we get to see John again, right? When? He's in the series finale. In the series finale, with is he Isaac, wearing
3: is he wearing Richmond clothing?
2: More than that, he's wearing blood. Because <gasps> that's right. He's the guy that when Isaac kicks the goal and it goes through the net and hits the guy in the face in the audience. That's John Wings Knight.
3: Yeah, he's a fair weather fan. He and likes he, whoever's and winning. The,
2: and then the next scene we see him, he's rooting on for Richmond. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a bandwagon fan.
3: He's a bandwagon fan. And I like it that Roy Roy knows it immediately when yeah. he says – He goes, oh, usually, you know, Chelsea or Man City, you know, whoever's winning. And Roy's like, uh-huh, yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: I hate you. <laughs> um, I also like that one of the first people we see coming out of Dr. Sharon's office after Danny is Colin.
3: And I'm wondering if we oh. get – this is where he starts to open up about his sexuality, right? Yes, yeah, yes. for sure. Um, okay, I, me too. Yeah.
2: Yep. The moment he walked out of the office, I was like, "Oh, okay. Yep. This is this is planting the seed for what we're going to get with Colin this season."
3: Yeah, because uh, because he, we also have um, in the in the season finale of of the show. Um, Nate says something offhand about Colin and not, you know, giving head or something that like last that. Did we not mention last episode? We didn't. We didn't because we didn't do spoilers last no, no. episode.
2: No, no. I said the line in quotes. I present to you this whistle, but it is sad. Do you know why? Because it has never been blown. Is that the same reason Colin's sad? Right. That's so, the off-handed joke that Nate makes.
3: Right. An yeah. offhanded joke, but you see Colin's face kind of worry for a split second because he's closeted, right? And I think that this is the beginning of him starting to get therapy about being a gay athlete, which is still today seen as somewhat taboo. It's the one place where it is a, a, a bad look, quote unquote, to be gay in sports as a man. It's expected from women for some Mm -hmm. reason, but as a man, there is this culture that you can't be gay in sports.
2: Well, I mean, and yeah, I mean, we're in spoiler territory, so we can talk about it too. What we get from Colin this season about him trying to come to grips with being, like you said, homosexual as an athlete. um, Mm -hmm. I love the point when it comes, when it comes out, because that episode with him and Isaac. Yeah. Is a great episode because as angry as Isaac is about it, he's not angry about the fact that he is homosexual. He's mad that he didn't tell him. Right. That he didn't trust him enough to tell him. Right. Because it's the episode where Isaac gets in trouble Mm -hmm. because he goes into the crowd because somebody is yelling slurs. Right. Not intentionally yelling slurs at Colin because the, the audience doesn't know Right, that Colin is gay. Right, he's just yelling slurs for the sake of yelling slurs. But Isaac, knowing what he now knows, it makes him mad. He right. goes full Roy Kent.
4: Right
3: in yeah. that moment. Well, you know, he is he he is a a, a mini Roy
2: Kent. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is. He throws chairs at TVs in that yeah. moment. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But yeah, um, seeing seeing Colin walk out of the office was a nice little. Seed planted for for Colin's story, which I liked.
3: Yeah, and and it proves that this is not something that they plucked out of thin air. That they built up. They built oh, I, this. Up I think this throughout. was probably.
2: Yeah, I think this was probably always the intention with Colin's character.
3: Hundred percent. I yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, I do want to say that I this was the first time I'm switching gears just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Go but f- this was the first time that I actually saw a reason or a starting point on why Nate was so mad at Ted when he finally gets mad at Ted and tells him off before leaving the team was that Ted undermines Nate in the conversation that he had with Will. Nate is is talking to Will and it's like, "What t- what uh what position does your mother play and you know, you shouldn't be leaving early and blah 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 blah." And Ted is just like, "Okay, all right, all right." Will have a wonderful time blah 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 we'll see you later and you see Nate kind of like look at Ted and bristle a little bit and i look i turned to Dave in that moment and i said this this is where it starts right here this is where it starts mm-hmm. is that he's mad because Ted just undermined him and embarrassed him in front of the new guy the new kit man who he thought he had authority over and finds out that he does not have authority over him because Ted is top dog
2: but it's also kind of ignorant of Nate to think that his authority supersedes Ted's. 100%. 100%. You
3: know?
2: Yeah. Like, that's a totally ignorant thought of Nate's to think that that he, he has more authority than Ted does.
3: But insecure people are just like that. You know, they want to test to see where they are, to see if they do have any power. And maybe they do think that they, they do have power in this situation. And then they're reminded that they don't. And then embarrassment comes in and then resentment comes in and anger comes in. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you see all of those tenants happening in this one scene, you know, and it's very, very, very nuanced, but. I'm excited to see what other small moments we see building up to this final confrontation that he does have with Ted at the end of the season.
2: And that confrontation, I actually went and watched that confrontation uh, just because I, I wanted to be reminded of the things that Nate said, because mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to keep an eye out for it as I was yep. watching. So that's a good pickup. The fact that he, you you can kind of see him feel a little undermined. Right. And which leads us into it. But the other thing I noticed too when I went and I watched that, is in the finale, we see, you know, now in the premiere, we saw it in the finale last episode, last season, and then in the premiere of this one, how Nate is wearing the suit and the shirt and tie underneath. In the finale, before Nate, when they go out on the field, Nate's wearing a full suit. He's not wearing Richmond colors at all. He's wearing so he's, a black suit and tie.
3: He has distanced himself from the team
2: and it is bef- yeah and it's before he even goes off on Ted he is wearing that he has shed his skin at that point
3: yeah he literally well, at, at that being, point at that point because he had the game winning uh the game winning play and he was the wunderkind or whatever um you know i think that in that moment he's probably thinking he is the coach he is top dog yeah. you know this is his team and that's the delusion, right? Delusions of grandeur. That's, that's, um, you know, Nate is completely off the rails at that point.
2: Yeah. Like I said, like taking off, the, not wearing the, the AFC uniform or coaching uniform, mm-hmm. Nate shed his skin. He's yeah. become the snake underneath.
3: I'm wondering if, and I might go back and check, if in the final episode of season three, the final episode of the series, if he is in just a regular... Um,
2: he's back to kit clothes.
3: Right. Back to kit clothes, but no suit underneath. Is what there's I'm not. Saying.
2: If I remember correctly, there's not. He is. Okay. He is back to, because I think he is a kit man again.
3: He's a kit man, but for that final game, he actually is
2: promoted back to assistant coach. Is he? Because I don't yeah. remember him being promoted back to coach. I do. Okay. No, fair enough. I probably just pr- probably forgot.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, Let's let's talk about the the elephant in the room. The there's one line in this episode that the it. moment I heard it, I was like, "Holy shit!" Do it, do it. And it is the line when Ted is talking to Beard when he says, "Hold on, I because ha- I have it. I think I have it written down exactly what he says." Um. Oh no, I don't have it written down. But he makes mention. That the therapist that him and Michelle go to for marriage counseling is a therapist Michelle has already been seeing for a while. Mm -hmm. This whole thing with her ending up dating that therapist. Knowing now, because I don't think I ever picked up on that the first time that Michelle had already been seeing this therapist.
3: Yeah, that was her therapist. That wasn't their marriage therapist.
2: See, I thought it was just their marriage therapist. No. No. This whole thing makes her dating him even more disgusting. Agreed. So to anybody who sent us feedback, Greg, defending. <laughs> I almost
3: <laughs> said Greg at the same
2: time as you. <laughs> defending like that relationship this or whatever. This planned. No, fuck that. This doctor broke up their marriage to be with her. Yeah. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. He is the reason they are not married.
3: Yes. I 100%. completely 100% agree. Yeah, absolutely. And and he said, I felt like I was being set up. Well, you were being set up. Yeah. You were 100% being set up. And so the fact that he even, he came to England, he took her to Paris. He like, of course he knows all this about her too, because she's probably said, my dream is to go to Paris. In, in therapy, you know, Ted
2: never took me to Paris, probably. Well, not only that, but, like, it, it's just disgusting as a therapist.
3: Oh, it's this- it's all kinds of wrong. He could have yeah. reported him. Ted could have reported him, and he could have lost his license. Yeah. And he is damn lucky that Ted is the person that he is. Yeah. And how I, many I, times does this even happen? I'm sure this happens a lot, which is even grosser. Well, I like mean, in- yeah.
2: Yeah. It, you it's know, like, it's like a teacher dating a student. I mean, so
3: unethical.
2: Yeah. It's, it's unethical is the, like, the least word. I, it's like, it's fucking disgusting. But, yeah. like, yes, I, like, I don't care what anybody says now at this point, defending Michelle or anything like that. Like, this, this doctor, and I don't even remember the doctor's name now at this point because I choose doctor not who to gives a that. fuck. Exactly. The seeds were planted by him that, this ma- they, they should have gone to a completely different therapist for marriage mm-hmm. counseling. Yeah. Because this guy undermined Ted the whole time. Ted's yeah. fear and rationale that he felt like he was being undermined is 100% valid.
3: And you can see why he is so upset and jumpy around Dr. Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. His life was smashed to pieces by this therapist of Michelle's. And now he has something that he is building, something he believes in, something that he is spearheading. And what happens? Therapist comes in and starts fixing things.
2: This is his marriage again. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: It's it's just when you know the whole story and you watch this again, you're totally Team Ted. Yeah, you know, and one hundred percent watching, and I love it because we're watching it through the lens of Ted this entire time, um, and I just I'm so glad that it is um, that the show is from his perspective. It is not from Beards, it's not from Nate's, it's not from you know uh, uh, even Rebecca's. It is strictly from Ted's point of view, and that I think is why the show works as well as it
2: does. Yeah. Uh I apologize to Greg. Nope, <laughs> for, I don't for calling him out <laughs> cuz I know I'll hear it. Um but it's fine. Um Please Greg, don't I love you, feed- but you
3: were yeah. dead wrong in that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Please don't stop sending feedback. Uh it is it it is just when I heard that line that kind of just snapped in me like it's, it snapped a realization in me like yeah, this guy's been undermining their marriage the whole time. This yeah. guy has been planting seeds. He he saw the woman who was his patient that he grew an interest in. Right. To undermine that marriage right. so that he could date this woman.
3: Right. Oof. <laughs> so sorry if that. Kristen was
2: loud. Kristen was so unnerved by it that her microphone just fell over.
3: It did. It fell right over.
2: <laughs> so that's why I but need the moment. The moment I brought that up, I was like, I know Kristen's going to want to talk about this deal.
3: Yeah, of course. It was like one of my first notes. It's, it's what I've been talking about. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah, that was... It's a little unnerving, but, like, I'm I'm standing by it now. It, like, no. Yeah. Team Every 10. time I
3: see his stupid face,
2: I get mad. I agree. I, yep. I, so... uh All right. So we are now officially back from spoilers. Let's talk about the quotes because there's a lot of them. There's a number of quotes that I just couldn't help laugh at. Um, Starting right from the beginning. The first quote in this this episode that made me laugh was right after Danny kicks the kick and kills poor Earl Greyhound. And Nate is just, oh, my God, I promise that's not what I wished for. (laughs) And then it goes to opening credits. Oh,
3: um, God, I really enjoyed the uh, the one where Ted walks in uh, to Rebecca's office, and Rebecca wanted Keely to be there, and he goes, "I haven't seen someone that disappointed to see me since I wore a red <laughs> ball cap to a Planned Parenthood fundraiser."
2: <laughs> I have that as one of mine as well. Like, yeah, like you, like. Poking fun at conservatives so much in that. Oh, line. not it's conservatives,
3: great. but Maggot. magas.
2: Yeah, magas. Yep, yeah. maggots. Yeah, because there are conservatives out there that are normal, decent human beings.
3: Normal, decent human beings. Yes, yeah. and then there are
2: magas. <laughs> uh, I mentioned the the Miss Bowen quote already. You mentioned that one. Um, so there's a little bit of a nod in this episode through a line, and I wonder if how many people pick up on it because of the nod is. There's that when Rebecca, when Ted first walks into Rebecca's office the first time, and, and Higgins and Keeley, they're all in there having drinks. And he comes in and says, Howdy, y'all. And everybody's like, Ted. That is absolutely a nod to Cheers. Yep. And Norm, because George Went is Jason Sudeikis's uncle. Seriously? Yes. George Went, who plays Norm in Cheers, is Sudeikis's uncle in real life you seem shocked by this
3: I never knew that
2: yeah that George went and Jason Sudeikis are related
3: trying to put those two together I can't (laughs) like what recessive gene went wrong I just there's (laughs) I cannot put those two together
2: But that is a total nod to Cheers and Norm
3: Okay, oh, I love that Because of their relation I love that, that's awesome Um,
2: I also like in that scene, Danny's a lot like an expensive tape measure He snaps right back quick Yeah, 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 yeah (laughs) He he snaps right back quick
3: I do like that Um, Yeah, I've said a lot of my quotes already
2: (laughs) Um, Let's see, what are some of the other ones? You mentioned that one We mentioned the pricks. I know I have more. Um, (laughs) Ted says when when, when Ted walks into Rebecca's office during the the conversation of Girl Talk, and he's like, oh, I wish you were Keely. And Ted's like, I wish I was Keely three or four times a day. Three or four times a day. I love, no. I love when they're talking, when Ted and Roy or Ted and coach are talking, Ted and beard are talking about something and nobody understands him. And Ted turns to coach. He's like, sometimes living here is like living in a foreign country.
3: Yeah. <laughs> which is so funny because they are in a foreign country. I know. But which is the joke. I, I realize that, but it's, it's funny that, you know, we were like, oh, you speak English there. Then you're just like us. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. no, <laughs> very not true. Um. um I do like the the one where he said, hold on a second. His name's John Wings Night, like at a sports bar, like Monday night's Wings Night down at PJ Flats, like that. <laughs> Ted, would you please stop? Rule number one, even though it's called Girl Talk, sometimes it needs to be more like, girl, listen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other... I, I have two more. Um, they both happen in the same scene, actually. They're pretty back-to-back. Um, oh, no, it, it, there's a couple from this scene, because I have another one, too. Um Shame what happened to Earl. Him and his owner, Nigel, used to come in here all the time. Then he started shitting and pissing all over the place. Yeah, that's pretty common with older dogs. No, I'm talking about Nigel. (laughs) (laughs) love May. Um, And then immediately following uh, was, hey, coach, can I get real a second? Forget my meal a second. Put down your beer and tell your buddy how you feel a second. (laughs) (laughs) But my other favorite line from that scene, too, is um beard talking to 10 he says do you remember what you said when i got dumped by that cruise ship dancer and i said i would never date another dancer again can i have your tap shoes
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm gonna sneeze again <laughs>
2: oh well fair enough <laughs> get it out
3: oh, bless you excuse me sorry there you go. Um, I do like we've got a situation, Coach. He's underselling. We have a Shakespearean fucking tragedy.
2: <laughs> That's a good one too. Well, I'm more stumped than Paul Bunyan's local forest.
3: <laughs> uh let's see. Uh wow, we're watching the end of someone's career. Not now, Jan. <laughs> Not now, Jan.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Is Tom Cruise with a little ponytail? No, I think you're thinking about the last samurai. He's got a little tiny ponytail magnolia too, coach. Thank you, coach. My apologies, Danny. <laughs> Tom Cruise was rocking A Little Tiny Ponytail in both those films.
2: <laughs> There's an, there, This isn't really a quote, but there is another nod to another movie in this episode. And it's a movie that is like, is not a great movie, but I love the nod to it. It's the scene where they're trying to, before they bring in Dr. Sharon, Ted pulls Danny aside, and it's when they're walking over to the corner. That's right when you said that line. Um and he tells Danny, like, you know, kick this corner kick. It'll help you get comfortable. And he kind of steps forward a little bit and kind of off the side. And it's the scene where Danny kicks the ball and it hits Ted oh, in the hilarious. ass. Hilarious. Hilarious. But he says to Danny, like, be the ball, Danny, be the ball. That is a total nod to Caddyshack 2, I've which again is Caddyshack. not a great movie at all.
3: Is it not a great movie like The Last Supper is not a great
2: movie? <laughs> oh, God. Uh no, because I will watch Caddyshack 2 again.
3: <laughs> hey, you watched Last Supper twice, all right?
2: I know. Oh man. We'll talk about that in recommendations. <clears throat> um <laughs> any quotes any more quotes or nah. any anything we've on said,
3: that? Before? We've said most of them.
2: All right, let's dive into some feedback then for the episode in which we we got a couple, uh, we got some stuff from Facebook, we got a couple, we got an email and a couple of voicemails as well. So let's start with some of the uh, the Facebook feedback. Um, I'll kick it off with the first one, and then you can go into the second one. That works. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So the first one comes from Kirk Manley, which I'm very excited to see Kirk leave feedback for the podcast, which is great. Thank you, Kirk. Uh, Kirk is an amazing artist who I recommend you check out if you have an opportunity. Uh, But Kirk says Ted Lasso might just be the best TV ever produced, in my opinion. Uh, Season one was better, I think, than season two, but I enjoyed them both more than any other TV I can remember. Watching this show always made me want to work harder at being a good person, a positive person, and someone who supports others. I'm sure I'm failing epically, (laughs) uh, but it was nice to be motivated that way by a piece of art. Hope you guys have a blast casting about season two. I will try to check out some episodes uh, signed KM, a.k.a. Kirk Manley.
3: Thank you, Kirk. I very much – and I have a piece of his artwork, actually. Um, I do, too. In my house. So Yeah,
2: I do yep. as well. I know a number of our friends have some Kirkman Lee uh, artwork, which is good. Yes,
3: I only have one, um, but I love it, and I'm still trying to figure out how to get it framed because it's uh, the Walker Stalker um, from when we were all there, the last time we were all there. Um <clears throat> Like 2018, 2019, something like that. But um, it's two pieces that go together into one. And it's really, really nice. So I want to get a nice double frame for it where it's like kind of close together, but still separated and matted. I think it'll mm-hmm. be really nice. But I, I'm going to have to go to Michael's and have it custom made. And Yeah, la-la. probably.
2: Yeah. And that just oh, gets well. pricey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Yes, it does. I mean, uh, trust me. I have a whole wall of artwork. So mm-hmm. I've spent my share of Michael's frames, but yeah. most of the stuff is already like custom. It's already like pre-sized, so I haven't had to do the custom thing yet.
3: Yeah, mine is mine will be that that particular one. The way that I want it framed will have to be custom.
2: So but. I have I, I have so much artwork I haven't even framed yet. Um, that is pretty much sitting here waiting for my studio to be like a permanent fixture in my apartment yeah so when that happens there will be so much more artwork going up but anyway (laughs) we're getting off the top
3: you digress
2: yeah i digress
3: all right Lindsay schlicht hi Lindsay. um it speaks how much it speaks to how much i love this show when an episode can include dog death and i don't immediately turn it off and say never again girl i am with you (laughs) i almost turned off john wick um (gasps) You did, you, but I didn't. You did w- and I'm you did well I did well in not. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> because that is, if you are an animal person, you need to watch John wick. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry. I still hated it, but at least I could also continue watching red baseball cap to a planned parenthood fundraiser. Almost made me choke on my coffee. These little <laughs> one liners are gold. A few more hints of Nate's nasty side in this episode. Besides Rupert, he's the one character on the show. I really just don't care for. Roy's don't you dare settle for fine. is one of the best speeches of the series. I love Rebecca's shocked look. Keely was definitely impressed too. Roy is absolutely my favorite character. You know, I agree, Lindsay, I think that um, that speech is one of one of the best, if not the best speech of the series. Um, Because I think it's really a call to action for a lot of women is mm-hmm. that so many women settle because we have been conditioned to think that we're not going to be any good without you know a man or a partner. And I love it that in in recent years, women are breaking out of that mold and I think that that's really great to see. However, there's still a lot of that stigma that's left. Um, you know, my daughter, the other day we're driving and we were talking about Disney movies and she goes, mom, I have not seen like any Disney Disney movies. I go, because most of them are princesses that are told that they cannot amount to anything unless they find their prince." And I started saying, you know, snow white has a someday my prince will come. Um, I think that that's what it is. Yeah, I'm wishing for the one I love to find me. You know, you have Cinderella who, you know, is in a bad way until her Prince Charming comes and whisks her away with a glass slipper. I said, you know, that's just garbage. Um, You know, you saw Frozen because Frozen was about sisters. You saw Tangled because Tangled was about a a, a woman who got out of her own mess. You know, you love love Star Mm. Wars because Princess Leia is a boss. And she looks at me and she goes, thank you so much for never showing me those movies. And I was like, yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I was, it's, it's funny. Cause when you were talking about all these different movies, I really do agree with you. I think frozen is really the one that kind of broke the stigma a little bit because there's tangled even a
3: lot before frozen
2: and tangled is higher on the list than frozen for me. I, I love tangled. tangled.
3: Oh, tangled is, I think my favorite.
2: I tell people all the time Tangled is better than Frozen. I mean I it's, can
3: watch Tangled over and and I have. I have. Yeah. <laughs> Tangled um, was the one DVD that we had in our car. So we've
2: seen yeah. it so many times. I love I love that movie. I mean, I like that. I'm a big Zach Levi fan, so like yeah. that was what drew me to it. But well and Mandy like,
3: Moore is perfect. As Mandy a Moore is great for role. it. Yeah.
2: But but yeah, like those two movies really yeah. broke the stigma. I mean, there's even a line in in Frozen where, you know, after Anna meets hans like and like elsa tells her like you don't have to marry the guy that you just met like it, that's, mm-hmm. the, it those movies really broke the stigma about it and then even um she's not really a princess but there's a scene in ralph breaks the internet uh-huh with um i think the character's name is penelope
3: yeah i've um, only seen that movie once
2: but there's yeah. a scene where she's in the room with all the Disney princesses. Yeah. And it's it's hysterical. Yeah, it's one, it's uh, I It's the best do scene in the that. entire movie.
3: I do. Even, I mean, even Jasmine from Aladdin was, you know, I mean, she was the first one that I think was like, I don't need no man. But she did. You know? She
2: still did in the end, yeah.
3: She still did in the end, yes. She needed to be saved, you know? And I just... It's years of that kind of conditioning for girls. And so it's nice to see that everywhere you look, women are now, women and girls are being empowered to be their own people and to and to take charge of their own identities. And I think that this speech really resonates with that. And he's saying this to two very strong women. And these women feel empowered and they also see that they have they have people around them that take up for their cause and it's not a very in-your-face kind of speech about that per se but it is at the same time mm-hmm. and uh roy or um bernstein stan no carl no Ro- ron uh what
2: what do you what, what you is to- what
3: is roy kent's name
2: Oh, Brett Goldstein!
3: Oh, thank you, Brett Goldstein! <laughs> oh my gosh! I, I was had, like, "What are you getting had at?" A brain fart on that one, but Brett Goldstein just delivers that speech with such perfection. So I, I'm, I, I agree, Lindsay. Basically, that was my really, really long version of saying, "Yes, <laughs> yes. girl." <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which, speaking of Brett Goldstein, I am incredibly excited uh, because Did he you get has tickets. Been- he has been touring for a while and I audibly yelled when I found out he was coming to my area. Oh, I got a ticket.
3: Jill got tickets.
2: I know she did. Cause we because oh. she asked, she's like, when's your show? And she's like, My show's in March. I'm like, well, mine's in January. <laughs> so and it sold out within, I think, an like two, like two or three hours. Yeah. It sold out. Yeah. And so much so that they added a second show. Good. Which Look, I, I'm going to give you a little insight to stuff like that. When they say like, oh, sold out so fast, so much popular demand. It was we already a second, a second show. show. That second show was already on the schedule. They just didn't announce it because they want to make sure that first show sells out. Yeah, it's very so They smart. weren't just going to be like, hey, it's so popular, Brett. Can you do another show? No, it was already there. <laughs> so it... uh. Yeah.
3: The dog was sitting here just scratching at the door and barking the whole time.
2: <laughs> I didn't even hear the dog barking.
3: Well, that's good. Then, then my micro my, you know, eight year old microphone is doing really well. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So all right. So we do have an email as well. Uh, I'm gonna let you do this one too.
3: Okay. Because it's from my husband? Yes. Okay. All right. So this one is from Dave. You hear about him a lot. Okay. He says Greetings, all. Before we get into Goodbye Earl, I wanted to mention something I noticed while listening to the season one finale. When Jamie holds his army man that he's got along with the note from Ted, we see it's the one with binoculars. I believe Ted chose this one for Jamie because the one with binos is most likely the lieutenant, the leader of the pack of army men. He has a sidearm, not a rifle, and he's looking and he's holding the binos. I think it's indicative of Ted's desire and belief that Jamie can be a leader. Just my two cents. I see that. On to Goodbye Earl. Nate is a great example of what happens to some people when they get a little juice. They treat people below them like shit. As Sirius Black said, if you want to know what a man is like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. Of course, Sirius goes on to verbally abuse abuse (laughs) creature, the house elf, but still. Nate is such a dick to Will, we're starting to see who he really is. Love the intro of Jan, the Dutch player, who is a dick, who is a dick, not a dick. Keep up the (laughs) strong work.
2: (laughs) I love that we're finally like, I know Dave's a huge fan, a huge fan of Ted Lasso. Huge fan, yeah. and And I love that he's like actually listening to us now and he's starting to leave feedback. It's, you know, it's fun. He's totally
3: into it. Like as much as he didn't like Lost, he loves Lasso, like loves Lasso.
2: Yeah. So, last
3: night um last night I was just as an aside, I was talking to um another teacher at my old school that um I just stopped working uh, where I just stopped working. Uh, we were at a basketball game, and uh we were talking about cruise lines. I said, yeah, my mom is on a cruise, and she went on the oceana cruise, right Oceana. And uh, uh-huh. she goes, Oh, I don't go on anything that's named anything close to Oceanic. I go, Oh, yeah, Oceanic 815. I go, If it was Oceanic Cruise Line, I'd go on going four, eight, 15, 16, 23, <laughs> 42, like over and over while like blasting it all with holy water. She goes, Okay, just the fact that you just said all those things, you're my new favorite person. <laughs> and I and so Danny's sitting next to me. She goes, "You should listen to her Lost podcast."
2: And she looks at me. She goes, "You have a what?" And
3: I was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I have a podcast." <laughs> Danny has turned into my hype man.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. I would man, if there was an oceanic cruise line, I, I would go on it too. But I would purposely make sure my cabin number was one of the numbers.
3: Oh well, I think that. I think that a lot of people would feel that way. Like a lost themed cruise ship would be phenomenal.
2: Yeah. We I would a black go
3: smoke monster that comes out like every day at the same hour.
2: It's just a fog machine. Like, is that yeah,
3: strong? just like a fog, like tinted fog. Everybody comes yeah. in with like, it looks like mascara is running down like their face all the time.
2: <laughs> I would go on that. I would, I would go on that. Uh but uh, thank you to Dave and Lindsay, and of course Cork. Uh, Cork. Cork. Kurt. You Kurt. messed it up. Uh, <laughs> You're stupid. stupid. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have a couple of voicemails to play as well. Uh, starting first with uh, with Jason, so let's play that now.
5: He starts with a- Hi, Ben and Kristen. This is Jason in San Jose, and I am back finally to leave feedback for Season 2 of Ted Lasso. I've been easing up on my recording schedule for my weekly recovery podcast during the holidays and consequently recording feedback for the Revisited podcast. Life has been quite hectic at work and at home, and in all honesty, I have been dealing with a lot of depression and anxiety lately. Thankfully, none of which is tied to the holidays. And by the way, I did watch Hannah Waddingham's Home for Christmas and hope to hear your thoughts on the show. So before getting to this week's episode, I did want to comment on the last few from season one. Ted Lasso has been one of those go-to shows for me when I'm feeling the anxiety creep back in. So I am so grateful to be rewatching this now. I did also want to talk about Rebecca's arc in season one. I love the episode, all apologies. And this really ties into 12 step recovery in making amends for our harms caused. And that is steps eight and nine. It was so incredibly touching to hear Ted say, I forgive you. That was so beautiful. And yeah, that moment brought some tears to my eyes. And after watching the finale a few weeks ago, I just had to watch the first few minutes of season two and was really hoping to lead feedback for that. But like I had mentioned, I wasn't really feeling up to being behind the microphone and providing the feedback to get that recorded on time. So I am here this week with Goodbye Earl. My wife and I had just gotten into the show and binged the first season a week before season two was about to start. And so we watched season two episode by episode. And this one was a great way to ease back into the story. And I just felt so sorry for Danny Rojas. Anyway, I love the new addition of Dr. Sharon to the team. And the way therapy will play out over the season, and no spoilers here. But yeah, it was interesting for me re-watching this, seeing Ted's reaction to adding a therapist. And the first time I had watched it, I didn't really take into consideration that his wife was having an affair with their therapist. And that might cause some problems in Ted's mind. But on this rewatch, it all of a sudden made sense. And I love the way that Dr. Sharon addressed Ted asking him if he was good at his job and her reply that she is twice as good at hers. I really love the dynamics between these two. I cannot wait to move on to the rest of season two. I'm really looking forward to it. I've rewatched this season once before and it has been a while. So I am excited to see what's coming up. So until then, This has been Jason in San Jose. Namaste, baby. Uh,
2: Thank you for that, Jason. And yeah, we talked a little bit about that already, about seeing things a little differently. Now hearing that conversation with Coach, with Ted and Beard in the pub about his being, feeling like railroaded with the therapy. So it's nice to see other people are seeing that now too.
3: He was being set up. He felt he was being set up.
2: Yeah. Um, Jason, I love that Jason's feedbacks are always like mini podcasts. Uh, I will say and, and I'll I'll send this to Jason separately as well, but I'm sure Jason will hear it this way uh, that that feedback was a little longer. <laughs> it was almost like twice the length, uh, but he did give us permission to kind of edit some stuff out. Uh, and I want to say to Jason, I did listen to the section that we cut out. He talked a little bit about I mentioned last week the uh, the speech that David Draymond from Disturbed gives during his concert about being alone and and depression and and such. So, yeah. Um, that didn't make it into the episode, I apologize for that Jason, but I did listen to it and I, I appreciate the fact that you sent that over uh, We just try and keep the feedbacks to usually two to three minutes max uh, just to kind of get through them a little bit quicker Yes So, so. Oh, but that does leave us with one more voicemail and of course that comes from our friend Steve Brown and his live Stevings that he Yay. often reads. Uh So let's go ahead and play that now Hello,
1: Ben and Kristen. This is Steve, and this is going to be for Ted Lasso, Season 2, Episode 1. Ooh, that opening on on uh, uh, Nate's face. Wow. Interesting. Which would be more important to the team, to get that first win or to tie the record for the draws? I don't know. think a win. <laughs> they made Michael Jordan cry. Is he saying the Hail Mary in Spanish? Is that what Danny Rojas is, is praying here in the shower? He's just being Dutch. Oh, easy, Nate. You don't have to be so hard on. Uh, What's the new kid's name? Colin? Oh, that's his name. Ted just said it. I don't mean to make light of uh, the dog's passing because it's bad, but did we ever see this dog in the first season? (laughs) Roy's coaching the the girls' uh, football team. (laughs) I forgot about that. I love that Phoebe's keeping a record of uh, Roy's uh, cursing. Okay, I don't know what British money is. How many quid earn a pound? Because she just said... You owe me one quid and then it's 1,236 pounds. <laughs> Ted is not very good at girl talk. Never seen Magnolia, but I have seen The Last Samurai. So Tom Cruise is the ponytail. Yeah. Uh, Ted just said to Danny, be the ball. <laughs> Subtle Caddyshack reference there. Oh, Nate. i really picking up on this, Nate, uh, being kind of aggressive here in this confab between uh, the coaches and uh, Leslie. They can't say the Y word. And then as Ted is saying, yeah, let's do it. He's also shaking his head no. Keep referencing Roy's retirement speech. And I don't remember. Do we ever get to actually see his retirement speech? I don't remember. Yes, the answer to that question would come in spoiler section. So I'll wait for the spoiler section. I love the quick little Jim Blossom's explanation. <laughs> hey, Jealousy is their their best song, but "Follow You Down is my favorite. Of love the little, little hints into Beard's backstory that we get that he dated a cruise dancer, cruise ship dancer. And oh, yeah, now he's dated too many. Roy, don't you dare settle for fine. I don't know mm. if it's significant or not, but Nate just said that their record is 1,236. Wasn't that the same amount of pounds that Roy owed Phoebe? Mm-hmm. Looks like Danny was back after just one session. Oh, How many languages does this doctor speak? French and Spanish and English? That's right, I forgot Jamie's on this
2: reality show. Right, on to next week. <laughs> I love when Steve picks up on a bunch of stuff that we talked about. I
3: like, do.
2: Like, we get, like, by the time we get to this part and, and listening, most of his questions have already been answered. Which is great. Yeah. Because we don't have to discuss it. That's true. He did mention, I don't think we talked about it, but he did mention the the uh, the Gin Blossoms thing with uh, Follow You Down or Hey Jealousy, which are two great songs by I'm the Gin <laughs> Blossoms.
3: The Gin Blossoms. Gin Blossoms and Collective Soul.
2: Collective Soul was great.
3: The collective school soul is still, whoa, is still great. So great. I almost knocked my water over.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I miss really good nineties alternative music. Lithium,
3: Sirius XM lithium, the best worth oh, every penny.
2: I, I have serious and I don't listen to it nearly as much as I should.
3: Channel 37s lithium. The, they do go through these phases where they seem to only play like a lot of REM. And we're just like, Guys, guys, come on. Enough with the REM.
2: I enjoy REM, but yeah, every once in a while. (laughs) For all of you at home, Kristen just shot me a look. (laughs) I'm very good at my looks. (laughs) Which apparently, (laughs) it was the kind of look that speaks, uh, why? (laughs) Why? Did you know, know that Friends
3: was right? supposed to be called, w- was supposed to have their original theme song was to be uh, REM's Shiny Happy People?
2: That wouldn't have worked.
3: And of course it wouldn't have.
2: That would not have worked.
3: But every time I hear that song, I always think, oh, this was supposed to be the Friends theme song.
2: Because nowhere in Shiny Happy People do you get.
3: Exactly. <laughs> and if you can't clap five times, then why are you watching? Four times. It's four times. I just did it. <laughs>
2: uh but thank you everybody for the feedback uh for this week's episode which we encourage you guys to leave easiest way to do that is go to revisitedpod.com there you can find links on everything where to subscribe listen social media all that fun stuff or you can just email us directly feedback at revisitedpod.com um we are going to um next week because this episode because episodes always release on Monday next Monday is Christmas day so we will not be doing another episode of Ted Lasso but we are bringing you an episode of the podcast in that uh, as Jason had mentioned during his uh, his feedback um it is going to be like a little revisited podcast Christmas special in which Kristen and I are going to give you our thoughts on how to wanting tim's christmas uh, Christmas special. So it's going to be a nice short little episode. Uh, we're not going to do listener feedback for it, but, uh, it's going to release on Christmas day. We're going to take a little bit of a break from that and give you a little bit of a break from, uh, you know, having to watch Ted Lasso or leave his feedback.
3: Yes. It's just so stressful having to watch Ted Lasso every (laughs) week. My heart just can't take all the joy.
2: Uh, But the following Monday is New Year's Day In which we will be bringing you another episode of Ted Lasso We're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 2, Lavender Lavender. So feel free to leave us feedback uh, for that episode uh, Which you have two weeks to get us feedback for it So So do it So do it, no excuse you got two weeks Leave us your New Year's
3: resolutions Ooh, that's not a bad idea
2: Cause it'll I be need, new year's day. So
3: I need inspiration. Okay. Fair Other enough. Other than I need to lose some weight, which I do. Oh.
2: But. <laughs> That's almost everybody's New Year's resolution. Constantly.
3: Yeah. I am still carrying a lot of my COVID weight.
2: <laughs> you and me both. I'm I've gotten to the point where I even posted this on social media. I've, I think I'm to the point in my life where I might just accept it, grow up my beard and become a Santa.
3: Well, you already have like kind of a gray beard, so white beard. You're old it's- is what I'm saying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you for that. We're the you're same welcome.
3: age. Uh you're a year older than me. I'm a I year 43. older. Forty three. I'm forty three. It's not. No.
2: It's basically the same. Age. No, no uh recommendations for the week we we got we'll do our normal recommendation and then of course our final holiday recommendation uh any normal re- regular recommendation for the week
3: so we just started watching a new show um we've only seen the first episode but so far so good um it is a british show starring gary oldman called slow horses slow horse slow mm. horses
2: it's new isn't
3: it there's three seasons
2: Oh, then it's not new.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but Gary Oldman plays a character that I have never seen him play before. He is this old alcoholic, very, very disgustingly slothy uh, leader of the reject pile of MI5. Like if if you have messed up as an MI5 operative, you are sent to a slow house. Slaw House. It's spelled S L O U G H House, but they call it Slow Horses. The Slow Horse, and um, and so it's like all of these rejects. But one guy that is there is there because somebody uh, threw him under the bus, and he's actually a good agent among all of these terrible agents and this alcoholic, slovenly, disgusting person excuse for a person leader and that's Gary Oldman who of course he plays this brilliantly so um it's Gary Oldman is Gary Oldman I would watch him I would watch him do anything honestly although I gotta tell you he's so gross in this that I feel like I can smell him and it's (laughs) it's really screwing with me like a lot.
2: That's method Um, acting right there.
3: Well you'll you'll see like his first scene really sets up how disgusting he is
2: Okay, all right. Um,
3: but anyways, I I recommend it. I've only watched one one episode, but it's enough for me to feel like I feel strong in recommending.
2: It was it yeah. was pretty solid pilot. Okay, all right. I might have to check it out then. Uh, my recommendation is a movie called The Last Supper. No, it's not. <laughs> Shut, not up. It. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up at all. Um, my recommendation actually is though. Um, <laughs> Kristen and I do. We, we, it's the first one we've done in a while. We took a little bit of a break, but we we do over on the Wilhelm podcast. We do the um, the movie swap, and this last episode that we did is seriously one of the most fun episodes we have done in a long time. Ever, we yeah. laughed so much during this episode. Because we both
3: hated the the movies.
2: (laughs) So on on Movie Swap, if you haven't listened to it yet, is where Chris and I give each other homework of a movie we've never seen before. I give her something she's never seen, and she gives me something I've never seen. And for the first time, we both hated the movies that were given to us. (laughs) And the conversation that ensues is just chaos absolutely it was hysterical. an hour of
3: chaos <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have not laughed that much during a podcast recording so uh go over and check out that episode it, trust me you will not be disappointed you will even if not you've be never seen the movies it's just fun to listen to us just trash each other's movies yeah um wilhelm go over and listen to the latest episode of movie swap it's absolutely hysterical yeah. Uh, Christmas recommendations For the holidays You go um, first uh, So I was actually just with friends last night And we were talking about Our memories of seeing this movie It's relatively new It's only within like the last two years I think yeah 2021 uh, But we talked about how much we all love this movie It's a movie called 8-bit Christmas uh, It stars Neil Patrick Harris And it's uh-huh. basically it's It's a little bit of a modern A Christmas story in that it's Neil Patrick Harris and his daughter are going home for Christmas to his parents house. His daughter is like pressuring him to buy him or to buy her a cell phone. And it leads him into it leads into him telling the story to his daughter about him and his friends back in like the the 80s and 90s about how badly they wanted an original Nintendo. NES. oh. And how they banded together to raise money to buy a joint, like jointly buy an NES. It is such a great family film. It's Neil Patrick Harris is great in it, but Steve Zahn is phenomenal.
3: I love him. He he played a killer gay ice dancer on Friends.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, he did. But he plays Neil Patrick Harris's father's, uh, Neil Patrick's character, his character's father. And he he's old so... enough to
3: play Neil. No, Patrick no, in Harris, the in his the, father in the
2: flashback.
3: Got it. Thank you. I was like, wait a minute, wait, stop. <laughs> of when he's telling
2: the story of his childhood. Okay. He plays his dad.
3: Okay, it's like um, a Christmas princess bride, almost.
2: Sort of. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but no, it's it's so incredibly well done. It's so heartfelt. It is. Just a great movie. So I 8-bit Christmas is my holiday recommendation.
3: Very nice. Very what nice. You? What about me? What about me? Um, <laughs> I don't have anything. I um, hang on. Um, you should watch. Um, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? Um, I tried to introduce my daughter to one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time uh, a couple days ago. And I'm not sure that it really qualifies as a Christmas movie, but it does take place during Christmas at times in the movie. So I don't know. I always equate it with a Christmas movie, but it's um, uh, the little princess with Shirley temple. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's just this adorable movie. And, um, Shirley Temple is fantastic in it. She plays this very spoiled uh, little girl who goes to uh, stay at this school while her father goes off to war. Um, it's set in the 1800s, uh, like 1899, I think, or something like that in in England. Um, and what happens is, is that he comes from a lot of money so he just like showers the school with so much money just to keep her with her horse and this nice room and all the best stuff but then he uh news comes that he actually died and there's no more money uh coming in and so they throw shirley temple's character in the attic with the rest of the servants and she has to work uh at the school instead um Anyways, it's a it's a, actually a really heartwarming, beautiful story. It sounds like it. Uh, being locked gonna... in the
2: attic. <laughs> no, she gets to leave the attic to clean the rooms. Come on, is like is this like a Christmas version of Flowers in the Attic? Like it's no, just you have to watch
3: it. It's very <laughs> okay. good. It's very good. Anyways, know, that movie I always equate with Christmas time. Maybe because I always watched it at Christmas time. I don't know. Danny wasn't into it, so we had to turn it off. Um, but I will watch the rest of it. I used to watch it every single year. Like it's a core memory movie for me. Um, Yeah. So that movie, I love it.
2: And what's it called again?
3: The Little Princess. Okay.
2: I think I actually have heard of that before. Somebody
3: Um, redid it. And the Shirley Temple version is just better because it's Shirley Temple and any Shirley Temple movie is magic to me. Okay. I was obsessed with Shirley Temple when I was a kid.
2: I and you know it's funny too how you say like you just equate it to Christmas because like the other movie that I watch, um, on a regular basis around the holidays, it's not even to call it a Christmas movie is a stretch because it's yeah. literally maybe like the fi- the last five minutes of the movie.
3: And I think that that's it, Little Princess.
2: It, it, like it's like the last, the end of the movie is the only part of the movie that takes place at Christmas. Mm-hmm. But Grumpy Old Men. That I is watched- such a good movie. I watch it every year around the holidays because like the end of the movie takes place at Christmas. The rest of the movie is it just it's just in winter. Yeah. You know, Ugh, it, it's over like movie. Thanksgiving and but that movie, man, the outtakes at the end of that movie are hysterical.
3: With the old old man, Burgess Meredith, says, yeah. Come on, I want to lay ya. <laughs> it's still hilarious to me.
2: That's the second one when he's naming oh. all the islands.
3: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, That's grumpier, grumpier old, old men.
2: Okay. Grumpier well, old men is just as good as the first one.
3: I love both of those movies, yeah. and I love it that it was Walter Matthau and uh, Jack Lemmon. Jack Lemmon, yeah, yeah. The Odd yeah. Couple,
2: the original Odd Couple, the yeah.
3: original Odd Couple. Exactly. See, you Which, get it. We get it.
2: And I will say, I did enjoy the reboot of the Odd Couple. <gasps> oh, me too. With Matthew Perry and um, oh, why can't I think of his name?
3: Wasn't it the Two and a Half Men guy?
2: No, um. No, that's John Cryer. Oh um, no,
3: no, no! It was the... Um, oh shoot! Hang on, it was...
2: Uh, it was Joey's hand model.
3: Yeah, it was Joey's in, hand model
2: in Friends. Um, what? Thomas Lennon, Tom yeah. Lennon. That's it. So, yeah, yeah. He it, was only, great. it only ran for like I think like two seasons, three seasons. Oh, but I didn't realize it ran that long.
3: I didn't either.
2: <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry, but, buddy. Yeah. But no, that was that was good. Their chemistry was really good on on screen too. Yeah. But Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon are just
3: well. Walter Matthau is the perfect curmudgeon. I mean, he's just wonderful in that role. Well, they're he was. just.
2: And again, I watch it every Christmas. I just watched it the other night, actually.
3: Oh, that's um, awesome.
2: Because it's again, it's a stretch to call it a Christmas movie. Yeah. But I still watch it at Christmas.
3: Um, is this the last week we're doing recommendations for Christmas movies? Yes. So honorable mentions, I would say, would be uh, Elf, of course. I love Elf so much. Home Alone 1. Home Alone 2 is better than Home Alone 1. Yes, my, it is. I agree. In my opinion. 100%. Um, and Miracle on 34th Street, the original, um, okay. is still a favorite of mine. I like the the remade one, but the original in black and white is just wonderful and white Christmas. I grew up watching that movie as well.
2: Okay. Uh, I'll, you know what, then I'll throw a couple recommend- yeah, of recommend honorable it. mentions out there as well. Um, maybe some lesser known ones are ones that I think fly under the radar a little bit. Uh, Christmas with the cranks with Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis is it's not a great movie, but the ending is one of, in my opinion, one of the most touching endings of any Christmas movie I've ever seen. um, What else is there? Let's see. Uh, Kind of off the beaten path. Well, just friends. I know how your feelings on Ryan Reynolds, but (laughs) that movie always makes me laugh. Um, The movie Jack Frost with Michael Keaton and Kelly Preston, where Michael Keaton's character turns into a snowman. Uh, Well, I'm sorry, dies and comes back as a snowman, I think is um, a great movie. You mentioned Muppet Christmas Carol, obviously. Uh, Scrooged with Bill Murray is a great telling of a Christmas Carol. Um, let's see the two kind of off the beaten path ones that I will mention, and I'll wrap up my honorable mentions. Are one Trapped in Paradise, which is Nick Cage, John Lovitz, and Dana Carvey.
4: <laughs>
2: what a cast! It is they are they are three brothers who rob a bank in a small Pennsylvania town and because of the weather end up getting trapped in the town. They can't get out. Um, so they end up staying with a family, and the family they end up staying the the family that brings them in is the family that owns the bank.
3: Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Who this family That's- obviously has no idea that they're the people that robbed the bank. It is. That's awesome. It is. It, to me, it's such an underrated movie just because of the cast in it and the fact of what,
3: like and what's it called making. again?
2: It's called trapped in paradise.
3: Yeah. I'm going to watch that too.
2: Yeah. It's fun. Um, and then the other off the beaten path one that I will mention just because it's fun freaking raunchy it's not really raunchy but it's it's bad uh and when i tell you the cast you will know why it is jason bateman olivia munn tj office, office party office yeah. christmas party yep. <laughs> yep, courtney b vance rob cordry kate oh,
3: courtney b vance yeah. he was in the last supper
2: yes he was <laughs> um i love office christmas party it is just such a Bateman's another one of those guys that like, I will give almost anything. He does a shot, especially if it comes with a red band trailer. That's like, okay, it's, it's going to be good. So, uh, so yeah. So as I mentioned next week will be the revisited Christmas episode, which we're going to talk about Hannah Waddington's Christmas special. Uh, no need to leave feedback for that, but we have two weeks to leave us feedback for episode two lavender of ted lasso but merry christmas happy holidays to everybody who celebrates yes 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 um i believe hanukkah is over it is over oh
3: yeah yeah we might be the tail
2: i think it's over at this point um but from i'm i'm sure i can speak for Kristen when i say uh have a great holiday be safe be well and just enjoy the time with your loved ones that are around you, yes, and I'm sure we will be doing the same thing, maybe <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> any final notes before we head out?
3: No, you I think you hit it all. There's um a lot of ladybugs in my view right now, so it's, okay, yeah.
2: I can't that, think of those, a better that's way my fi- that's my yeah. final note <laughs> I can't think of a better way to end it than ladybugs <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said uh, thank you guys so much for everything thank you for being a part of this um, next episode is on New Year's next episode of the Ted Lasso portion is on New Year's Day uh, so if you don't listen to the Christmas episode uh, have a safe New Year as well but until then We will see you guys out on the pitch. Take care.
3: Namaste, baby.